Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Welcome to Late Lunch this Thursday afternoon and there's only one place to start on this very special day. It is World Book Day and there's only one place I want to be on World Book Day is in a bookshop and in an independent bookshop too. And I'm delighted to tell you that on Late Lunch today I am in Academy Books on the south side of Drogheda with our book reviewer Irene Gahan. So instead of you coming to me I come to you today to acknowledge you on this wonderful day. You're so kind. It's so important. Um, I really, really appreciate it. World Book Day is such an important thing for children to get them into bookshops. Some children will get their books, obviously, from the library or their parents will um, buy them for them. But the World Book Day is very much about the kids going in with their voucher, picking the book off the World Book Day list that they want to read, spending the time. And that's the important part, I think, spending the time to let them look through all the options that they have because there's quite a few there and letting the child have the experience of walking into a bookshop and a lot of children actually wouldn't have that opportunity so that's the bit I love about World Book Day and then seeing them come in and go and dressed up as well that's fabulous when they all come in dressed up in all their um, all their gear it's great and they're so excited so it's lovely You mentioned about the children coming in this is a big day for you you're expecting plenty of visitors and you have something on specially to mark the day Yeah so we're going to do story time reading later on um, in the afternoon and when they start coming in and then we have we actually have our adult book club funny enough later on this evening so it'll just be a day of fun and a day of celebration um, of books The store here how long are you here? So we opened um, 11 months before COVID, dare I say it. And we had to close in 11 months. So that was kind of very, very difficult. You know, when you set up a business, you it's difficult enough as it is. So you hope everything lines up and everything's perfect. But we closed in 11 months, obviously, for COVID. And um, we kind of spent, I think I spent a week going, oh, no, crying into my cornflakes. Um, but I was like, no, you know what? People are phoning in. We can do deliveries. And I had a great time. And I was talking to um, another independent bookshop, um, Charlie Brunson, Galway, who I love. And I was saying it was funny, I wasn't just delivering books during COVID, I was delivering prescriptions, I was delivering butchers, I was delivering bread and milk. And that really got me through. I thought that was really, really great. And the local support was absolutely brilliant. That's a really, really important for us. So we're coming up on four years on the 23rd of April. Does it get any easier, Irene? Because I look around the place here, you obviously have rent, you have rates, you have service charges, you have all that goes with this. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't get any It doesn't get any easier. You hope over time that, you know, the local community will 
will have embraced you, which to be fair, they have. They've been wonderful. Um, but sometimes it's a decision between, as I said before, you know, paying electricity or buying books for the sh- for the shelves, but that's just the reality of any of any business. So you have to just work really, really hard. And I suppose there's the multiples are out there, but an independent shop is all about the community. It's like the heart of the community. So it's very much about the people, the customers who come in and the chats you have, and you know, you know, you nearly know their grandchildren's name um, and where they go to school, and they chat about it. And that's the lovely thing about it. And we have coffee, and people sit down at the bench and chat about their favourite books, um, and that. That's the bit I love about it. I love the community part of it and the customers that come in. It's about people getting together and doing something they absolutely enjoy. And just at my back here, I'll tell listeners to describe it. You have a beautiful big table with a jigsaw out in it here. Another string to your bow. It was Ruth's idea, actually, and we didn't know how well it would go. I love jigsaws, but what I thought was great was on Saturday, the uh, the kids all came in, just came in just as a normal customers, and there was eight children sitting around the table making the jigsaw together for half an hour, which I thought was fabulous. I absolutely loved. And that's the whole point, is bringing people together. When you look around the shop here, it's beautiful. You have a lovely layout, may I say, and it's very welcoming, the place. What about on World Book Day? Are there any books you want to highlight in particular? Um, well, I suppose from a, from an adult point of view, Lessons in Chemistry is our book of the book of the month. But Liz Nugent, we did her book Unraveling Oliver. We had that conversation, which is fabulous. Her new book, Strange Sally Diamond, is coming out. Today of all days, i really like to mention her book because I think it'll do extremely well. Um, and it's very, very quirky and very my kind of uh, crime. And then in terms of the children's books, I, I you know, there's no specific standouts, but I think it's really important to support Irish writers. So Irish writers of children fiction, because I think Irish writers get the psyche of an Irish child. So like the fabulous children's writer, like Nicola Pierce. I love Shane Hegarty's The Boot and the new Impossible Ice Creams. Of course, everyone loves Derek Landy's Skullduggery series. That is just like one of the most popular <laughs> series that we have. And I suppose it's giving, giving new authors a chance um, would be really important for me so like up and coming authors making sure like the book of secrets with Alex Dunn it's her debut novel she's an uh, she's Irish um, and the book club absolutely adored her book so I suppose it's about going and looking for Irish authors and Irish you know publishers like O'Brien Press or like Gail and looking for Irish um, specific um, you know stories and things stories and fairy tales and myths and legends and that kind of thing so it's very much about supporting them. It's a tremendous gift to give a child, isn't it, from the earliest age? Oh, I still have one of my favourite books. So um, Enid Blyton, The Enchanted uh, Tree, um, I, I think I said, I looked at it there and it was 1986, My Uncle John for Christmas, and I have it written inside and it's still one of my favourite books. I mean, my absolute favourite book is Jules Fern, Journey to the Centre of the Earth, which um, for a 12-year-old was probably a little bit much to tackle, but it's still an amazing book. And, and they made all these movies about it and year after year after year, kids still absolutely leader of the story but then you've got a whole new audience of teens discovering pride and prejudice and withering heights so it's lovely to see each generation kind of coming through getting excited about books even twilight series is still really popular the hunger games are still really popular and that's lovely to see as they go through because those books are out and of course harry potter let's have a wander around here and a look at some of the shells say hello to mr teddy bear there as well <laughs> at the jigsaw table keeping an eye on the jigsaws so as we look at your shelves here just for listeners to describe the layout you have here. 
Um, well, ours is not a traditional multiple. So, you know, if you walked into a normal bookshop, it would be kind of separated out into very, very, you know, succinct. Um, we're kind of a little bit more piggledy-piggledy, I think. So we have a biography section with kind of like, you know, Miriam Margulies, of course, in there, and Alan Rickman Diaries. So we do have a biography section and then we have a sort of a businessy section that has books about business and then sports books. I love history um, and politics. So we have quite an extensive range of history and politics politics and that's the thing I love about an independent because we get to create the books we get to buy them based on what we know our uh, our customers love so and what we love so you know other places don't have that so we kind of it becomes um, you an extension of extension of your customers and yourself really in terms of what kind of things you stock Mm. and of course our jigsaws (laughs) oh yeah the jigsaws are fantastic 6,000 piece jigsaw now wasn't very popular I think everyone was slightly scared of that one I think it was the weight of the box never mind the (laughs) 6,000 pieces Um, over here on our right hand side what are we here so over here um, on the right hand side we have all of our romance and historical fiction which goes out very, very quickly, very Lucinda Riley, obviously very, very popular. Richard Osman flies at the door, Emily Hurricane, the Glorious Guinness Girls, again very popular and then we have our kind of slightly more we have a section on Irish writers so we obviously we have our local writer Nicola Cassidy in there with her nanny at number 43 and Adele and her new book Emma Spy and then we have slightly more serious uh, (laughs) slightly more serious books like uh, Margaret Atwood and um, you know Ella Sharif um, those kind of books that would be kind of very very specific a lot of them would be um, book club books Mm. and then we have Crime. We've actually been getting to be known, I think, for quite a great crime ex- uh, crime uh, section, which is really, really good. So I, I love that. I love seeing those books go. And then we have our very serious books, our literary fiction books, which are all kind of Booker nominees and Booker Prize winners. Which is they are very, very po- they are popular. Um, obviously not as much as crime and romance, which I think makes up the bulk of everything. And then we have our teen section. So I, because I do the teen book club, um, I'm very into reading my teen and young adult books. I think they're really, really important. Um, So we have quite a selection and we probably Mm. have over 500 books. Um, And again, a lot of them are new books, new authors. So I think as as readers, we're very good at going back to what we know... um, in the sense of what, what makes us feel comfortable. So we go back to the same writer over and over again. Then when we find books that we like, we recommend. So Catherine Ryan Howard's The Nothing Man, she's obviously a Cork woman. We love her books, so obviously we'd have all hers stocked. But again, in terms of the crime, what we're finding now is teenager readers are actually moving away from sort of teaching adults to kind of sort of crime and romance and dare I say Colleen Hoover um, books so they're kind of the more advanced are um, but it's lovely to see it I mean obviously the Colleen Hoover phenomenon is great it just gets them reading and, and, and as I said before I don't mind if they read the box, back of a waffle box once they're reading something that's really really important Do you find that teens and young adults you know when they start as children and they're introduced and they love it is it sticking with them as they grow? Yeah, I think I, I do think it's down to parents and grandparents to instill a love of books. My grandmother was a fanatic. Oh, she's a great reader. And my mom adores books. So I think it's very much about, you know, parents introducing their children to picture books or to board books at a very, very young age. Um, and, and bringing them up through it and not letting them drop off, not letting, let them, not letting them fall away. I mean, when you go to school, you have to read for school, obviously. And reading for pleasure is a completely different aspect. We had so 
some lovely TY girls in from Sacred Heart, Lily, Isabel and Kira, and they did a teen survey for us on book, teen, uh, book habits and they got 100 responses. And we asked, one of the questions asked was, why do you read? And a lot of them said it was to escape from reality and just to escape. And I just thought that was quite telling. So, and that's the reason why, you know, teen has, reading and teen books have kind of, and young adults have kind of come back around into the fore again. Ruth O'Reilly is uh, behind the counter here in Academy Books and part and parcel of the team here. Tell us about this shop and working here. What's it like working in a bookshop? Well, first of all, it's great fun. You're just talking to people all day long about books and there's nothing better, is there? Um, people come in looking for recommendations and you get to stand and have a half an hour conversation with them telling them about the best book that you ever read. It's great fun. People come back all the time looking for more recommendations. Um, loads of arts and crafts activities in that that you think you would in a, in a bookshop but there's lots of little things that we get to do to improve the shop and yeah no I'm, I'm only here about six months but I'm having a great time so far. <laughs> You're the piñata lady. Oh yeah I am yeah so I'm working part-time here and part-time still doing the piñatas so it's it's both. You're very creative because I see something up here that you did for Valentine's Day. Tell us about that. I know. Irene's fantastic. Every time I say to Irene, do you know what, Irene? I think I have an idea. She just goes, knock yourself out. And at some point, I am going to actually stop asking (laughs) because the knock yourself out is implied now. (laughs) So I get to do whatever I want, really, at this stage. Um, So, yes, the Valentine's Day came and I said to myself, wouldn't it be fabulous if we just had a really romantic scene in the window? So I took a, a corset and I took a couple of books and I butchered them and I turned them into a dress and we had um, hearts coming out of it and it was really romantic and really whimsical looking and that was in the shop window for a couple of weeks there on the work up or to Valentine's Day so yeah no, that, that's what I'm saying it's great fun arts and crafts just right up my street <laughs> I just look at you you're so at home here you just love this don't you I do yeah I do I'm absolutely loving working here it's mm. um, I, yeah I'm, my family and friends are so funny because they're like oh what are you doing now because the piñatas I don't see them that busy anymore and I'm like oh well I'm doing that part time but I'm also working in the bookshop in Setgate and they're like oh my gosh that's right up your street mm. so um, yeah no I'm at home here definitely books all around us here every type of book if I was to put you on the spot on World Book Day do you have a favourite book or what's the best book you ever read and nobody has a favourite book nobody has a favourite book everyone has 20 favourite books um, yes no I'm loving um, last year I loved uh, Lessons in Chemistry best read last year uh, Verity best controversial read last year um, I'm reading Damon Copperhead at the moment it's oh my gosh the characters are flying off the page at me um, I could keep going there's hundreds of books and once you get it's like um, it's like a vortex you just it's a whole other world you just read one and you just keep going um, yeah Come into Academy, won't you, and say hello to this lovely lady as well. They're a fantastic team here. Thank you so much. I'm delighted to be with you today. Thank you. Thank you very much indeed. Let's go back to Irene. So all tastes and ages catered for here in Academy Books. I see a coffee sign up there as well. Yes, we have lovely barista coffee. It's kind of hidden down the back. It's kind of like a secret, but we do fabulous barista coffee. <laughs> and of course, you have stationery and school supplies. Yeah, I suppose one of the things I, um, my son was in school nearby and it was always uh, the first thing, last thing at night or first thing in the morning, I need this for school. So I always thought it would be great just to have, you know, the stuff that the kids lose for school, like copies and pens and rubbers and pairs, that kind of thing, just to have a small stationery stock in the shop so that, you know, lastminute.com, as they say, we, they can run up and uh, pick up whatever they need. 
I see a book there in the distance that's caught my attention. Let's walk towards it. It's Stanley Tucci oh, and he? Taste My Life Through Food. I'm just going to tell listeners, I'm going to buy that book from you before I leave today because I know somebody who'd love it. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, he's brilliant. <laughs> Let's face it, he's absolutely amazing. And his show is absolutely fabulous. Uh, and it's a very popular book. It's mm. a very, very popular book. And that's, I think, the beauty of independent bookshops because you will always find like quirky things like I'm looking here at Sean Bytel seven kinds of people you find in bookshops and it's so true mm. I mean and he has a fabulous bookshop in um, Scotland but it's so true and it's the little quirky little things that you find that I love and Roy Keane is staring out at me there I think I'll move on I'm even afraid looking at him uh, on the front cover <laughs> of his book there what else are we we have a great second hand selection so I think nobody I always feel that nobody should ever be without a book so even the price of paper has gone up and the cost of actually running a bookshop has gone up the prices of books haven't really increased now we might see a tiny bit of an increase over the next while but I always feel that if you want a book you should have a book so we have a great second hand selection of probably over 2,000 books and they're from €2.50 each and then the books that we get people donate to is that we we have a free cart out the front so we actually have a cart where people can put books in and people can take them and it always amazes me that the books are always taken so they could be the most obscure things in the world but those books are all taken and they're all read and that's what I love I've never be without a book and I say again and I've said it many times on this show all independent bookshops across Louth and Meath and beyond we need to support them and I say that again today I'm here with Irene in Academy Books on the south side of Drogheda but the others in our area as well if we do not support these bookshops it's going to leave a huge hole in our communities. It really, really is. And I see it here as I walk around this beautiful bookshop today. What a loss they would be if they go. And it's no good crying over spilt milk. I said this before. We've got to support local, especially when it comes to books. So, so important. Um, And I I think, you know, everyone supported really well during COVID and that was wonderful. But I think it's the continued sports of independent that we need. And we're the ones that will give vouchers for local events or local competitions for children. So that's kind of from our perspective. You know, we'd like to see our customers, we'd like to see people in the door. Here, here, may I say, and that's why I'm here today as well, to be in this lovely bookshop on World Book Day. And I know Irene has given us a little giveaway as well today on Late Lunch. Yes, I have five little World Day uh, book packs, so all the books together, all wrapped up in a bow. I have five of them to give away on the show. You are so good. Well, I'm going to come up with the question in a few minutes' time on Late Lunch, if you leave that to me. I wish you well. I hope you're here forevermore. I really do. And I say again, well done to you. Congratulations on the four years and all the challenges you've overdone. There will be more, of course. But support local. That's my message today on World Book Day. Academy Books on the south side of Drogheda. You've an absolutely beautiful place here. Check her out. Thank you for inviting me along today, Irene. Thanks, Jerry. It's so much appreciated. Oh, I'm so delighted I paid a visit. I really, really am. And Irene has given me such a collection of books to give away today for children. And after this break, I'll give you the question to win the books. Yes, Irene Gahan from Academy Books has given me a lovely collection of books to give away to you this afternoon on the show to celebrate World Book Day. They're lovely, aren't they, Louise? There's so many different titles in it, like Booted is one of them, Lenny Henry's book, The Boy with Wings, Dave the Pigeon, Rita August on Dragoon, Bedtime for the Burpee Bears by Joe Wicks. There you go. Mm. Billy's Bravery, Life-Size Creepy Crawlies. What we're going to do is we're going 
going to put five or six books into a little pack and I'll have four or five packs to give away to be honest with you so four or five prizes on late lunch today of a, a little pack of books What age, we were talking about the age for these books what would you say about about six to ten wouldn't six it? to ten years of age if you have children or grandchildren in that category I have lovely books to give away today on late lunch how do you win them well it's a simple question um, I'm going to be telling you over the course of the show today the top ten best selling books of all time starting at number ten but I want you to tell me which is the best-selling book of all time? The best-selling book of all time. It's out on its own. It's way ahead of everything else. And it's quite, probably quite obvious if you think about it. Tell me the name of the best-selling book of all time. 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me now. And we'll have five little book bundles to send out to you for your little one. Six to ten years of age. Thanks to Irene Gahan, courtesy of Academy Books on Drogheda's Southside. It's a lovely little prize today. The best-selling book of all time. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Louise, when you think of books yourself, as a child or growing up, is there any book that sticks in your mind that you actually loved? Yeah. I remember, remember going to the library I suppose I was about 8 or 9 and getting this massive book and going home and just sitting in the corner of the sitting room for days until I finished it called Secret Garden it was huge oh mm. and you loved it I loved it I, I don't remember the complete content just that it was obviously yeah. about Secret Garden but I just remember it was a massive book and I was just so engrossed I just couldn't I had to finish it there you go yeah yeah, I, 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 I needed help actually bringing it back to the library. It was so heavy. <laughs> I, I was thinking to mention a book on this day myself. It's not from my childhood, but it's a book I would recommend. It's a fantastic book. If you like reading, you know, but a true life story. And I, I'll never forget reading it. And I always regarded him when he lived as being the greatest living person in the world. He's gone now. But it was uh, Nelson Mandela's life mm. story called Long Walk to Freedom. What a name. He was in jail for yeah. so long. And so I forget. Long Walk to Freedom by Nelson, by Nelson Mandela. If I were to say a number of books that have made an impact on me in my life. That was but, a massive Oh, Lord, such a story. Such a story. Just I wanted to mention today uh, on World Book Day. But reading and giving children books from a very young age is such an important thing, as Irene was saying Great there. Great for their imagination. Oh, my. Oh, my. And yeah, one thing struck me about my chat with Irene was that the teens, they did a survey of teenagers in the secondary school 100 returned the survey that they love it because it enables them to escape mm, from the screens yes to escape to let their minds escape you know it's so important probably even more important today than ever that they can do that uh, but anyway the top 10 selling books of all time The Dream of the Red Chambers at number 10 1791 it was published it's a Chinese novel it sold 105 million copies at number 9 of the top 10 is The Hobbit by J.R. Tolkien 110 million and at number 8 uh, and then there were three by Agatha Christie. That was 115 million copies. And I'll give you the number seven and I'll continue the countdown in a little while. Scouting for Boys. They'll have to change the title of that, won't they now? Scouting for Everybody mm. Under the Sun. 120 million copies that sold. So I'm counting down the top 10 best selling books of all time. And my question today for the books here five sets of lovely books is what is the best selling book of all time? 
Big boost for Dundalk-based Singley Foods. They've been selected as one of five producers across Ireland that will have their products stocked in Super Value stores nationwide as part of Super Value's hugely successful Taste of Local initiative. And to tell me more, I'm sure he's delighted, is co-founder of Singley Foods, Owen Fee. Afternoon, Owen. Hello, Jerry. How you doing? I'm doing really Thanks well. Thanks for having us on your show. <laughs> Not at all. Delighted to have you with us today. Well, well done on this. What product will be featured? It's actually the curry paste, which is our, our main product. We do a few other curries, uh, free from curry and a slimmer's curry, which is gluten-free. But the one that's been pushed for super value is the curry paste, which is the main one. That's the one that everybody knows around and dock. And tell me this. How, how did this come about? How have you been chosen? Well, we were, we've been part of their food academy and we've been on it for about five years now. We're, to be fair to Super Value, they give us, uh, and small producers, they give them a, a bit of a start, put them on the shelves, get, help them with a bit of marketing and mentoring and a bit of logistics and social media work. And they push it. And it's been, we've been going on for quite a while. So it's been going okay. We're mainly based around the North Leinster area. Mm. But this uh, taste of local now, they've gone for another promotion and they're pushing us. And we were, one, luckily enough, we were one of them, uh, one of five. And uh, they're pushing it out nationwide. So we're hoping that maybe we have to get it put out, get it on the shelves and hopefully we might pick it up and maybe keep the orders, you know. So we're hoping that it'll work out very well. Yeah, so if there's a taste for it across Ireland, then of course Super Value are going to look to you to keep it going, I take Absolutely. it. Absolutely, that's the whole idea. If we can if we can get them to buy it off the shelves, that's the whole idea. Now, there'll be a big promotion coming up with different things and that coming on. So, yes, we're hoping that uh, it might... It's a good chance, put it this way. And to be fair to Super Value, they have been really good to us. You know, that with the Food Academy and now this Taste of Local, they've been uh, pushing us and pushing us. So, but hopefully an overnight success after 40 years or so, you know. <laughs> well, it's a long way from that chip van in the centre of Dundalk, it, isn't it, it Owen? Indeed, there's a few stories to be told there, Jerry, <laughs> but probably not on a daytime radio show. <laughs> Tell us about the, the, the origins of this whole thing. Go yeah. back there for us, yeah. No problem at all, yeah. It was, uh, more or less, it was, uh, we've seen that there was a, an opening there, there was a, a guy who was doing a ch- the, the curry van. He was retiring, so myself and Jerry King, my partner in crime, we decided we'd take it on and we started selling the curry and uh, it was popular, it always was popular. And then people started asking us, uh, would there be any chance that maybe they could get the curry to bring home? Mm. Now we make the curry from scratch. So we put it, uh, we, were, we were making down, to, bringing it down to a paste anyway. Mm. And uh, we said, sure, why not put it in the pot and let the housewife or the house husband uh, take it home? And that's, that's really where it started and uh, it's been going very well ever since. You're very popular, I know this. And, you know, when people taste it, they certainly take to it very, very quickly. So besides the paste, what else do you do? Well, we do the, uh, again, it's the the powders. The other two are powders. That's the Singly Slimmers one and the Singly Free From curry, which is both gluten-free, but the Free From one has MSG, uh, no MSG. And uh, it's similar, not quite the same as the paste, but... uh, more like your McDonald's type curry. Mm. It's that type of the brown curry where our own is the yellow curry, more like your Chinese inspired curries that you'd get in the Chinese. Yes. But at least you can have it uh, at home yourself, you know. Yeah. And where do you produce it? I, I, did this, as you say, it started small scale there, but where, oh, are, you, where are you based now and how many people work with you? We're now, we're now down in Blackthorn Business Park down off the Coase Road there in Dundalk. And we have uh, four full time. 
and every now and again when we did have the van and that there were maybe a couple of part-time ones but that's mm. we're, we're four full time so we're going and hopefully now when things if things start to pick up uh, we might be able to increase that that's the hope anyway so we'll see how it goes now if I'm uh, using singly and the paste how much paste would I need to put into a, a curry to give it a good kick how many uh, tablespoons uh, or do you give the measurements on, on the container all the, all the directions are on the on the uh, tub yes but, uh, the, the, and to me you now I have to say it's, it's a case of it's the proverbial just add boiling water Jerry. <laughs> just take take a good spoonful out of it just boil the kettle add it give it a bit of a whisk see mm-hmm. if it's thick enough that you want you know just yeah. to, to do your judgement personally I would go the thicker the better and the, the, the more of a kick you're asking about the kick that will give you the kick mm. but an awful lot of people uh, will then and even to be fair we're into the likes of the super values, all right, we're in takeaways, cafes, deli counters. But a lot of people, and at home as well, they will uh, add their own bit. They'll use our curry as a bit of a paste. Yeah. Pace, uh, sorry, as a base. Yeah. And uh, they'll add their own bits, whether it be extra spices, extra chilli powder, whatever, and do it to their own liking. But the vast majority now just use it as the singly curry. You know, it's quite popular. I'm sure you're very biased. You've tasted curries elsewhere. There's oh, nothing... There's awful there's... stuff for that other time. <laughs> Only singly. No, no, nothing not like singly. And, and as I say, it's been going out and different people have taken it across to America, Canada, that type of thing. We get it online. Hmm. But uh, it's and it's a bit of an in-dog thing, so we're, we want to push it out. We, we don't want to keep the whole secret to yeah. the dog. We want to move it on out. Of course you do. The name singly, is there anything significant in it or where it came from? Or? Well, it was actually just uh, a, a local Chinese guy who had the van, uh, and he had it up, but it's not so that Now, he to- tells us that it means victory. Truth be told, it can mean anything. We could, we could be insulting every last person walking past that van, but we've no idea. But uh, it was, uh, no, he, he tells us that it meant victory. But that's 36 years ago, so we've been insulting people for a long time. You know? Ah, listen, indeed, you're not. You've enhanced people's lives with the taste of it, and I know how much it's loved indeed, Owen. For, from yourself, what's your favourite? Because you're with me and you, you produce this stuff. What's your favourite curry? What's the favourite? Are you vegetable-oriented or towards chicken or beef or, or what well, in your curry? I personally, there was one thing when we did have the van, Jerry. it was, uh, we used to do a singly special, mm. and that was a bit of everything in it. It was... Uh, rice and chips on the bottom you had your mushrooms you had your chicken and your beef and the curry poured over the whole thing now that was a big seller and so it was a, a bit of everything but my own personal would be chicken right a chicken curry with rice and chips that's that would be my own uh, opinion but uh, everybody had their own there's some strange concoctions that come up but that was uh, that would be my own <laughs> I the special could... had everything in it so they just went for it you know well you know what after a few pints that just Absolutely. sounds like the business to be honest with your own it really 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 does <laughs> it's amazing though you know that um, it, it's been so popular, as you say, in the Dundalk, the Greater Dundalk area, Stockton in North Leinster. You were saying there more so yes, that a lot of them, through the Super Value the yes. Food Academy, we've got quite a lot in the different uh, in the Food Academy sections. Yes, of the different uh, Super Values. Yeah, and then of course around Dundalk, then even in Drogheda and RD and all the different corner shops, the butcher shops. You know, they all ninety yes. percent of them have the curry, so it's great to have that.
Yeah, and, and you know, that's what I'm saying. It's amazing that it's taken this long to go out beyond County Loud and, and this area as well. But here you go now. and sure, the, the, I don't know what they're missing, Jerry. Ah, the world's, your, the world's your lobster now with this. And even lobster would taste good well, with singing. Yeah, maybe a bit of lobster curry why wouldn't not? go amiss, all right. Why not at all? I have to say, why not? Ah, look, at it. it's great. You, you, you know, you are there some time now. And, and, you know, it's no secret you've been at this a, a long, long time. Are you are you happy where you are with the size of your operation now? Say this really went ballistic for you and the demand went huge. Are you ready for that? We are, well, yes. The production shouldn't be a problem because we've got a lovely facility down on the Coase Road and it's grand and we can up that. No, we've always, we've, myself and Jerry have always been a bit cautious, probably too cautious. We've always gone slowly and surely, you know, just not sure. We've been offered a few times to maybe go into the big, big supermarkets and then we'll hear scary stories about it and we'll say no. But Super Value put us at ease on that thing that we got, as I say, we've been grand with them. But no, we, we always just take it, take it handy. No point in going mad and spreading ourselves too thin. So, mm. so far it's worked for us. We've been going okay. You know. And everything that goes into Singly, I'd say, or like everybody else that produces their own, you're not going to tell me every ingredient that's in it anyway. It's a secret, is it? If I told you, Jerry, you would probably have to kill it. <laughs> no doubt about that. I was waiting you know? for that. I, I set myself up. <laughs> but uh, no, and as I say, we, we, get, we buy all our ingredients in Ireland, but of course, with the, the, the nature of the business, a lot of them are coming in from the likes of the Far East coming yes. in. And, uh, but we get it, we base everything in Ireland. So. Yes. You know. They're asking me there, what's it called? It's called Sing Lee Curry Paste, isn't that Sing Lee, it? Sing Lee Curry Paste. And it's going to be available. Uh, many messages coming there asking, where can we get our hands on it? It's going national with Super it's Value. It's with Super Value, yes. So look up your, your Super Values. And as I say, in, certainly in Drogheda, RD and that, all, most of the butchers and shops have yes. the, the curry about. But Super Value, without a doubt, they're the ones that are pushing this. And to be fair to them, they've been really helpful to us. And this is there's a promotion now coming on for three weeks so there'll be a big push yes. going on for this to, to try and push it out and hopefully when it gets out it'll stick and we'll be able to keep it going then you know that's, ah, it's that's great. the plan you know yeah it's from today the 2nd of March for three weeks and hopefully beyond that were yourself and Jerry friends you know all your yeah. lives well yeah when, when I first came into the dock which I, I, meant, I think I'm in the dock 49 years of this age and I'm still a runner but Jerry <laughs> and myself clicked off in school and we just carried on from there and uh, oh, we, we we do have our little Barneys every now and again, but uh, we uh, for the most part we get on very well. And uh, yes, we we started we started as I say in '86. Well, actually, we worked a little bit with the, the Chinese guy first to get the hang of things. Uh, probably about '84, so it's actually been on close to 40 years at this stage. But we're friends both in and out of business. Ah, oh, that's fantastic. You're going to love this, Owen Fee. Listen to this, just come in to me. From Nigel McKenna in New York City, listening to us today. Hi, Jerry. I have a tub in my fridge in New York City. It's part of my shopping list when people come to visit. And it's the first thing I tell them I want from home. Sing Lee. How about that? Ah. 
as we're saying it's a Dundalk thing <laughs> yeah well there you go that's lovely well done Nigel um, somebody well, Brian, thanks for that that's not, not at all somebody's saying where in Drogheda can we get it uh, yeah, well oh. just all, again the super value super, the McDonald's in Hardman's Garden oh yes that's, that's one there big the, shop most big shop the top of my yeah. head there yeah well there you go and, they a know the that but, and a few of the butchers they have them there listen this yeah. thing is going to go national perhaps international after this who knows oh, so, well we're international anyway but it's you really are. through Dundalk people living abroad you oh, know we, as I say we've had it we've been sending out to Australia USA Britain Canada Germany and it, if you look when we get the orders in you, you look at it and you say ah, that's a Dundalk name you know <laughs> you sort of know that idea you know you see your curry's your curry own whatever you're reared with it stays that's with you for life it, it's like every everybody's mother's made the best stew you True. Know? So in the dock and the and loud, it's ourselves with uh, the curry. Ah, uh, listen, it's, very popular. it's a great story. Delighted to have a chat with you today. And I do hope that uh, you will be stocked for good in Super Values right round the country and uh, more beyond. Great success story. Congratulations to yourself and Jerry and all involved. Thanks, Jerry. Listen, could I just mention the other couple of uh, yep. companies that are there? Yes. It's just because there's there's five going out onto the shelves. Yes. And one of them's Gingy Beer, which is a ginger beer. Yep. Uh, West Cork Biscuits, Porter and Nash, uh, Sauces and Gravies, and Homespun Syrups. And uh, to be fair to the, the girls in uh, Super Value, Patricia Foley, Carmel Began, Eileen O'Donovan, and Claire Cummins, they've been really helpful to us. And I just, I said, I'm trying to get a mention. Ah, you're welcome to mention them as well. Good luck to them all. And well done to Super Value for supporting local as well. Absolutely. Lovely to talk to you today. Jerry, Jerry, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. Good luck now. Bye-bye. That's Owen Fee there, co-founder with Jerry King of Sing Lee Foods in Dundalk and Sing Lee Curry Paste on Super Value Shelves. From today. I want to say a belated happy birthday to a young fellow called Cormac Ferreter. My fault. My fault entirely. His mammy reminded me yesterday, and of course, Dopey here forgot to mention it. Cormac, forgive me, I am a day late. He was a big seven, was it yesterday, Louise? He was, and he got taller. Did he? Yeah, yeah. Just wow. The second he hit seven, he got taller. Up, up he went. Yeah. He's a great man. I know he's a great man. And happy birthday again. And your mammy's going to spoil you and daddy this weekend, Cormac, for sure, to celebrate Big your birthday. birthday party. Oh, yeah. yes. Yes, it's going to be a great time. Anyway, seven years, Louise. It flies Where'd by. It go? It does, yeah, yeah, it does. I remember, the, I remember you had... You had him that. I can remember back mm, and we were all delighted Carly to hear. was here and she that's, was going to have a baby that's too. That's right. That's right. How uh, the... Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. 
And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Years, Roland. Seven years. You obviously look... And, and Louise, incidentally, I, I'm not giving anything away. She showed me a picture from... Was 20 years ago yeah. you know the little mermaid statue has been defaced and defaced it has in uh, Copenhagen you were out there 20 years ago yeah just beside the statue right beside mm. it isn't it I around? still have the jeans have you yeah I still have the jeans I was meant to show you that picture I'll wear them next week I still have the jeans but they're the really big flares <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? She looked 16 in the picture. I will say that. She really did. I'm not joking. Actually, I she still did. look 16. Of course you do. Yeah. I'm glad you just clarified that. <laughs> I'm staying quiet. I'm not saying anymore. Or I'd be all I'm picture no sound today. for the rest of the day. <laughs> of course, she has the elixir of eternal youth. What am I talking about? Have I lost Fine. the plot altogether? Should have gone to Specsavers. Uh, the top 10 book countdown, Louise. Okay, I gave the 10, 9, 8 and 7. At number 6 in the best-selling books of all time on World Book Day is, and people will know this one, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone by J.K. Rowling. The sixth best-selling book of all time. Sold wow. 125 million copies. We're into the top five. At number five, never heard of this one myself. It's called The Little Prince. It's a French children's novel and it has been translated 140 million copies. And at number four in the top ten best-selling books of all times, here's another classic, Lord of the Rings. 155 million copies. That's number four. But what are the top three bestsellers of all time. Well, you'll have to stay with me to find out. And I want to know from you, what is the best-selling book of all time? It's way out on its own because I have lovely packs of books to give away from Irene Gahan at Academy Books, who I visited today and we spoke to her earlier on in the show. What's the best-selling book of all time to win those books for your children? Six to ten years of age, we're roughly talking about. That's uh, Do you read out age. any fairy tales in there? In Which? The in the, in the ones you read out. It was only like Cinderella or Snow White or anything in there. Rumpelstiltskin, none of them. The Dream of the Red Chamber, 10. The Hobbit, 9. And then there were none uh, at 8. Scouting for Boys at 7. Harry Potter, 6. The Little Prince, 5. And Lord of the Rings, 4. No. Wow. No. You thought Cinderella no, yeah, or you know, you know, Princess of the Pea and all so. them. I'm sure they were big sellers, but not in the context of those, you know, 125, 140, 155 million Lord of the Rings, you know. But I can tell you there's a big jump in the sales of the top three books and the number one book is out in its own. 086-1800-658. You still have time to get in for the gift pack of books if you tell me the best-selling book of all time you're with late lunch on LMFM radio coming up after the break well have you noticed them they're starting to sing early in the day have you noticed Louise have you heard the birds a little earlier in the mornings they're starting to crank up as the springtime arrives well it's nesting season and there's only one man when we're talking about our feathered friends Niall Hatch from Birdwatch Ireland is with us next Yes, our feathered friends are certainly more active in recent weeks. I can hear them singing from about 6am in the morning now. You notice it; it's starting to really ramp up and they're busy going about their business and have been uh, for a little while now. And of course, yesterday you will have heard on the news that the ban on cutting hedgerows and burning land has come into effect from the 1st of March until the end of August. We're going to talk about the nesting season now with a very good friend of ours, Niall Hatch from Birdwatch Ireland. Hello again, Niall. 
Hello, how are you? I'm good. Niall, can I ask you first about that ban? Is it too late in, on the 1st of March? Will birds have been getting ready to nest already? Well, birds will be getting ready to nest. I, I, I suppose that um, what we need to do is we need to look at what is, what is the, the absolute most important time to protect them. And certainly the, the 1st of March, I think, is, is, is a, a good and reasonable cut-off date. Um, it still gives the birds time to, to, to adjust. Having said that, um, you know, the, the, there's no reason why this always has to go right down to the wire up until the very end of February. And with more planning in, in certain areas, it may be possible to be even less destructive to the environment. We need to, to do a lot more to, uh, to uh, I suppose, appreciate and, and foster our, our hedgerows because they're really one of the most important habitats that we have and absolutely vital for nesting birds. But that said, most birds uh, that would use hedgerows haven't started building their nests just yet. So the, the timing is just about right, I would say. Well, you would have cried early in the week if you'd been listening to me here on the show. We featured a local reservoir and it's one of a series of reservoirs where um, work has gone on and all the trees have been flattened, all the shrubbery, everything, just wipe out all round Nile. Now, it's in the interest of safety of the reservoirs, of course, uh, carried out by uh, Ishka Aaron. But I despair. I just want to say that again, Nile, when I see things like that happening. Yes, it is heartbreaking when you see things happening. And of course, the safety is, is, is vitally important and, and, and I would never suggest that it isn't. But having said that, we are in the midst of a biodiversity crisis here in Ireland and globally. We need to do a lot more to protect our habitats, particularly the, the vegetation, the trees and shrubs and hedgerows that are so vital for so many species, not just of birds, but of, of insects and mammals and, and other creatures as well. Uh, and I think that they don't necessarily get the respect that they really deserve here in Ireland. We're so poor when it comes to wildlife habitat in Ireland, especially when it comes to woodland cover. We have uh, we have pretty much the lowest level of tree cover in the whole European Union, uh, which is which is, is, is really a disgrace. And the hedgerows do compensate for that in some way. Um, and when you see trees and hedgerows disappearing anywhere, it really, it really is quite a tragedy, I have to say. It certainly is. Anyway, we all have the opportunity, thank God, in our back gardens to help this situation with what we grow there in terms of trees and cover as well. And of course, uh, putting in nest boxes. This is really now the kickoff, isn't it? They're they're looking for sites now. Our garden birds. No, that's absolutely right, and I think that the, the message you're saying there is, is something people should bear in mind. We can absolutely do a lot in, in our own gardens and around our own homes and our schools to benefit wildlife, especially this time of year. Nest boxes is a great idea um, for, for species like blue tits. Having it up now in the next couple of weeks would be would be ideal because um, it's the time when the birds are prospecting for a nest site. They're pairing up, they're looking where they will nest, um, usually in, in April and in May is when they're actually doing the nesting itself, um, but they decide long in advance where they would like to nest. So a good time to put up nest boxes. And in terms of planting in your garden, having native shrubs and hedges and so on, that's um, you know those plants they support native insects and provide shelter for our birds. So it's a win-win for everybody. Now, when you talk about nest boxes, and I want to tell you that Birdwatch Ireland supply a lovely range of nest boxes, and they can get them to you very quickly as well. In terms of where you should site them, Niall, talk to us about that and how high, direction-wise, etc. Well, really, I mean, obviously, it depends on what you have available in your own garden or in your own home. Generally, quite high is a good idea because the higher they are, the safer they'll be for birds, particularly for the birds that use cavity nests, like, like blue tits, that have a hole just in the front of them. For birds like robins and blackbirds, you want the nest to be a bit lower, actually, behind cover, usually. They tend to nest lower down. But really, beggars can't be choosers. Really putting up a nest box is the most important thing of all. And you can see on our website, birdotron.e, we have a set of plans there for different gardens to show you where different types of nest boxes should go. And if, when you're talking about facing north, south, east or west, what's ideal and what should you try to avoid? Well, the main thing to avoid is to have, um, have the, the nest in direct sunlight. 
because in Ireland it can get quite the sun actually can get quite strong in the summer and if the sun is directly beating down on it with no kind of shade the box can overheat um, quite well so you need to make sure that it's actually sheltered so that, that won't happen uh, and also to try have it out of the prevailing wind because that will blow rainwater into the hole and can chill the chicks so it's very important to make sure that you you, you try to do that but somewhere that's sort of semi-secluded uh, and is, is kept away from the worst of the elements that's usually sufficient because the birds are very good parents they know what their chicks need they're very good at keeping them warm keeping them well fed uh, and the main thing to do is to just make sure that the box meets all the requirements one thing that I always say to people it's really important with a nest box to make sure that it has drainage holes in the bottom of it because this being Ireland inevitably some water some rain will end up in the box at some stage and it has drainage holes in the bottom that'll go out but also it'll allow air to circulate through the box as well which will dry out the nesting material very quickly and that makes it much much more likely the chicks would survive The opening to the box is significant too you mentioned blue tits a couple of times there but they have a certain diameter don't they and if it's bigger other birds may colonise that box that's right. Yes, different species are very fussy about the size of the hole, and it's exactly for that reason. A bird won't uh, nest inside a cavity that a larger, more dominant, stronger species could evict it from. So for a blue tit, you're actually looking for a nesting hole with a diameter of 25 millimetres. So that's an inch across, which when you look at it on a box, it looks absolutely tiny. But then when you realise that that bird, it is absolutely tiny. You know, when you see it, you're mostly seeing feathers that are fluffed up with air. The little body underneath that is very slender and can easily get into that hole. But that prevents larger birds birds like great tits or sparrows from getting in uh, and evicting it. Now that said, it's also great to cater for those birds, but the great tits and the sparrows and the other species need our help as well. So you're looking for slightly bigger holes for those. So um, for, for a great tit, you're looking for an entrance hole of maybe 32 millimetres, which is 7 millimetres larger than that from the blue tit, and they really are that fussy. And then a little bit bigger again, the sparrows. The sparrows aren't quite so fussy. As long as the holes they can fit into, they're, they're happy enough with that. But the, the blue tits do like to have it snug. In the context of helping birds with their nesting materials, Angela's been on to us and I know she loves her birds in her back garden. She's a regular listener to Late Lunch and to you, Nile as well. And she just asked the question, it's an interesting one. Do you know the fluff that's left over in a tumble dryer and it, it accumulates? Um, she just wants to know, is that helpful to leave that out for birds to gather or would you be in favour or against that? It depends on what the fluff is made up of. So if it's if it's from wool and cotton and so on, then generally that that's okay. If it's made from polyester, um, and that can be a little trickier uh, because that that can persevere in the, in the in the landscape. It's not biodegradable to the same degree, and that can be a little bit more of a pollutant. Um, having said that, it's it's not it's not really a huge issue, and certainly that soft nesting material um, is is really good. Just obviously make sure that it's it's thoroughly it is thoroughly washed and it doesn't have that the, the strong sense of fabric conditioner or anything off it. The, the birds the birds themselves can't smell that but it is something that could potentially attract in a predator or something like a like a stoat or a rat that has a very keen sense of smell and might follow that unusual scent. Uh, so, uh, but yes, putting that kind of fluff is it, it, it certainly can work. Another thing that works very well if you're if you're you're grooming your pet or your cat or your dog or your rabbit or whatever it may be, and it's shedding lots of hair, and that's actually a really good material for lots of birds to build a nest from. So you can you can actually put that out around the garden, and the birds will find it. And that's a great way to benefit some birds that actually won't use nest boxes. So members of, of the finch family, like chaffinches and goldfinches and greenfinches, they won't use nest boxes. They make their own sort of basket-type nest that they weave and have it tucked into dense foliage in a tree or in a, in a bush. Um, but they will use that kind of hair from animals to, to make the, the lining of the nest, and that's a great way to help them in, in a way that's otherwise difficult to do. My resident starlings that I've spoken to you about before are back in the uh, fascia, oh. and they've been busy, I have to say, for a little while now, Niall. 
Yes, starlings do tend to start the nesting season a bit earlier than other birds, and uh, they're always jockeying for position. So starlings are very sociable birds. You hear them at this time of year now chatting to each other and calling. People, I'm sure, are hearing in the morning that the, the beginnings of the dawn chorus already are already starting. We're hearing more and more birds singing, and the starling is one of the, the prime examples of that. They're really interesting to listen to because starlings are amazing mimics, and they will actually copy the, the songs or the sounds of other birds or, or sounds they hear in their environment. Uh, so um, near my house here in, in North County Wicklow, where I'm talking to you from at the moment, um, there's, there's a starling near me. I hear it each morning, and it imitates the sound of a curlew. Um, it's, it's quite impressive. And I remember hearing one a few years ago that was imitating actually the sound of a car alarm. So it's, it's amazing how, how vocal they are. And that's all part of their, their sort of showing off their experience and their prowess and trying to attract a mate in. Uh, and because starlings, they nest in, in cavity spaces, you, you know, all sometimes in attics or in, in, in vents and areas like that, those are not so easy to come by, not as easy as they used to be in modern buildings. So actually there's more competition amongst starling pairs for those nest sites than there used to be, which means that really it's survival of the fittest. And that's why they're so keen to, to you know, set out their territory and set out their stall so early in the season so they can be sure of breeding successfully. I'm sure you've heard the whistling sound that sounds like a bomb dropping. You know that one that yeah. the starling does? It's amazing. It is, yes, it is like those things you, you hear sometimes on those old um, Second World War yes. movies and things like that. Yes. That, that whistling falling, so it's got that descending kind of note. Yeah, like a bomb falling, that's, that's, that's a very good description. And that's one of the most classic uh, calls of the starling. And they also intersperse that in their song with sort of also clicks and whirring sounds, a bit mechanical as well. So they are amazing birds. I think they're actually the starling, I think it's one of the most underrated or underappreciated birds in Ireland because we get lots of complaints about them. It's a bird watch Ireland. Um, people saying, oh, they, you know, I put the washing out of the line, the starlings mm-hmm. came and they, they there's bird droppings all over my clean sheets or when I put out the food on my bird table the starlings eat me out of house and home very quickly but they are remarkable in terms not just of the voice that we're just discussing there but also then of course in the winter they perform those amazing murmurations yes. those huge flocks that gather together behave like, like smoke in the sky and that's breathtaking it's one of the most beautiful sights in all of nature and amazing that we can actually experience that here in Ireland I think and you know you talk about the intricate nests that are built using you know the uh, we the discards as we mentioned there from the dryer the dog yeah. hair stuff like that and then on the other hand I look up at my familiar sites where the crows are nesting and it just looks like a ball of twigs we spoke at length about the crows before do they go back the same nesting site they go to each year Crows will often will, yes. Most birds don't. Most birds will just use a nest once, but crows will use them year after year. And what they'll do is they'll, they'll, they'll conduct repairs if need be. Now, if the nest has been destroyed, they'll build a new one um, relatively quickly. But if the old nest is there, what they'll do is they'll, they'll tidy it up, even though it doesn't look all that tidy, but they'll make it structurally sound and they'll bring in new branches and, and new lining to make it nice and soft. And those can then build up over over time. We see that with some birds of prey as well, that uh, that continue to add to their nests year on year until they end up very, very large sometimes. The buzzard is a bird like that. Sometimes they use the same nest site very often in a dense forest on top of a, usually a pine tree actually, the top is broken off so it makes a nice sort of flat platform and they'll often just add to that nest year on year as well in a sort of way, the way that the crows do. Uh, and although those nests do look quite untidy for the crows, they're very effective. The crows know what they're doing. Um, you also one of the, the, our obviously most familiar crows in Ireland is the magpie, which is a species of crow. And this is the time of year you often see them carrying around sticks and they make these big dome-shaped nests with kind of a roof structure on top of them. So they're quite elaborate uh, constructions and that's something it's good to see at this time of year actually because the leaves aren't fully back on the trees of course yet so you actually do get to see this process underway uh, and then later obviously into the summer it's much harder to spot those nests because the leaves have grown by that stage. 
and the news yesterday you probably saw emerging from Northern Ireland about the barn owls, which of course is a bigger structure outdoors to facilitate uh, a species that's been under real pressure. Really encouraging yesterday to see how many pairs, uh, you know, made it and chicks hatched last year. Yes, it, it's going very well. Um, I have to say, I'm really delighted to see the news from Northern Ireland and that, 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 that the great recovery of that species happening. I'm pleased to say here in the Republic of Ireland as well, we're seeing great recovery, largely thanks to um, my, my colleague John Lusby, who's Burlotran's Barnell expert, and lots of local groups, including Burlotran branches around the country, who've been putting up nest boxes, who've also been working with farmers to reduce or eliminate the use of rodenticides, so, so rat poisons, which, which have a big effect on barnels. Also working with Transport Infrastructure Ireland and other stakeholders to put uh, mitigation measures along new roads because one of the, the problems we were seeing was quite a few barn owls flying low over, over motorways and getting killed by cars. And something as simple as planting a line of trees a little bit back from the motorway, um, not only does it provide habitat for nesting birds, not only does it also um, mitigate and absorb some of the sound that comes from the, from, from the traffic, helping, helping local residents as well, but it forces the barn owls to fly up higher when they cross the roads so over the traffic. And a, a measure as simple as that um, has actually gone a great way to reducing the amount of, of mortality of these barn owls on the roads. Couple that with, uh, with the provision of nest boxes and educating people around the use of rat poison. And we're starting to see, particularly in Munster, we're seeing a big resurgence actually now in barn owls too. So great to see what's happening in Northern Ireland. Great to see what's happening in places like, like Tipperary, in Limerick, uh, also parts of Galway now as well and, and elsewhere. Uh, Kerry as well, barn owls are doing quite well there. Um, but, but, but throughout Leinster, that's, that's probably the next area now. They're, they're not doing so well in, in, in the Leinster region. So we need to do more in, in that part of Ireland. Um, but but having said that, yeah, it's nice to have some positive news for change, isn't it? On a challenge for everybody listening today, let's get Leinster back on the map uh, with barn owls. Just before we finish up, a couple of things. Um, the, the nest boxes, how, how much time realistically is there? What's the drop dead date when you should have them up by? Well, I mean, the, the, the thing is, the, the, the sooner the sooner the better. Um, I, I often would usually recommend actually to have them up by the end of February, but that was only a couple of days ago, obviously. So within the next week or so, I'd say that that, that would be optimum if possible. Mm. Uh, that's not to say that if nest boxes go up later than that, that they won't be used. The birds may still find them to their liking, and that can be very useful as well for birds that had chosen a nest site and then the, the rug is pulled out from underneath, and maybe the hedge got cut um, illegally or, or, or mm. otherwise, or perhaps uh, the nest box they've been planning to use have was destroyed or taken over by a different species so you know it's good it's good that they at least know that the box is there um, so you know anytime, anytime during during March it's still well worth a shot but ideally within the next week or so I would say and the Irish Garden Bird Survey people who may have the stats or figures there's still time to submit by the end of this month that's right, yes. So the survey came to, to an end for, 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 for this season, uh, just on, on Sunday, just gone. So um, so it, it's, it's finished up now. But the, the, the fact of it is, what we're, we're planning then is we're asking people to, to submit the, the data to us um, by the end of March, please. We have, we have an online portal. You can find you can, do, you can submit the, the counts online for us. Or indeed, you can send the, the, the paper form back to us in the post if you printed that off. Or indeed, you can scan it and send it to us by email. Basically, whatever is most convenient for you to get the data to us, we're delighted to get it, whatever is suitable for you. And then we have to spend actually quite a few months inputting all of that data because there's thousands of people take part uh, and then we, we the, the, my, my, my scientist colleagues then extrapolate all the different figures and numbers and crunch all the data and the numbers and then later in the year we should be able to give you an update on, on, on how the birds are doing and the beauty of the survey as well is that um, it's not just a one-off we've been doing it for over 30 years now so it gives us a really great database and, and data set to be able to compare year on year and to spot trends 
So it's nice enough to be able to tell how one winter went, but then to put that in the context of the previous 30 winters, I think that's something that's really remarkable. And that's how we learn a lot about our, our bird populations. Uh, so thank you to everybody who has participated in the survey uh, this uh, this year. We, we really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, if you could get the data back to us by the 31st of March, we'd be very grateful. And just uh, to let you know, Sean McCardle has sent me in a, lo- a lovely picture there, WhatsApp, of a barn owl box. He lives in Dundalk that he's just created. It's beautiful. So there's a, a potential site for a barn owl in, in County Louth and again somebody asking how do we get the nets, nest boxes birdwatch.ie at birdwatchireland.ie that's right birdwatchireland.ie we have, uh, we have details there you can buy them from our shop which is on there or if you want to make them yourself Sorry, excuse me. If you want to make them yourself, we have a downloadable set of plans um, that you, you can do a simple woodworking project using a plank of wood and some screws, uh, and uh, it works. It works really well. So, birdochurn.ie, you'll find everything there. All the information is there. Niall, great to talk to you as usual. Thank you so much. Likewise, thanks for having me. Thank you. Not at all. Take care. That's uh, Niall Hatch there from Birdwatch Ireland. Birdwatchireland.ie for all the information on the nest boxes. Lovely to hear from you, Helena. Helena Herty on the Carrick Road in Dundalk. Good afternoon to you. Thanks for getting in touch with us. I was talking to Owen Fee about Sing Lee Foods, curry paste, super value are stocking it now. Helena says, I send it to my son in Switzerland. Isn't that just lovely? I love it. I love that touch. I really do. Thanks for getting in touch, Helena. Uh, number three in the top 10 best-selling books of all time, the Quran. 800 million copies. And at number two, quotations from Mao Zedong, the little red book. Many people would know that one. A billion copies. What is number one? I'll tell you after three. And we will let you know who's won the wonderful books on World Book Day 2. But taking us to top of the hour, three o'clock. I love this one. UB40. I'm going there now in my mind. Stay with us on Late Lunch. Kingston Town. Yes, legendary matchmaker Tom Feeney, we're just hearing, has passed away. Many people would know him. He was a, such a character. I remember he was in studio here with me on uh, late lunch and he was just a, a brilliant, brilliant man. We're just hearing uh, news of his passing and we'll have more on LMFM. He's from, of course, Dundry, associated with the Dundry Fair. A uh, very, very famous man and we think of Tom Feeney today. May he rest in peace. That news just coming to us on air today on late lunch Uh, my favourite curry says a listener uh, and this was when the wagon was parked outside AIB in Dundalk yes we're talking about Sing Lee again Owen Fee on with me earlier in the show my favourite curry Jerry was with onions and mushrooms I loved it says a listener love your comment today Um, and another listener on to saying listening to you this afternoon made a beeline for super value in RD and I have my tub of Sing Lee paste ready to go good on you enjoy and you will enjoy it uh, for sure now the best selling book of all time at 10 was the dream of the red chamber and uh, nine the hobbit eight and then there were none seven scouting for boys six harry potter and the philosopher's stone five the little prince four lord of the rings at number three was the quran that sold 800 million copies. At number two, quotations from Mao Zedong. I told you that already. A billion copies. The Little Red Book sold. At number one, by a mile, it's the Bible. The Bible has sold in excess of 5 
billion copies. It's way out on its own. So there you go. The Bible was the answer I was uh, looking for. And I, loads and loads of right answers, I have to say. And other people speculating, speculating about very famous books too as well. Thank you to everybody who entered. Anyway, a collection of books to celebrate World Book Day from Irene Gahan at Academy Books on the south side of Drogheda are going today to Nora Killian from Navin, uh, Noreen McShane in Belurgan, Barry Connie in Drumree, Georgia Rice is in Drogheda, and Irene Kenny in Lusk, North County, Dublin. You will receive those books in the post shortly. And I hope the children who read them will really, really enjoy them. Now, time for this on Late Lunch. Five, four, three, two, one. Counting down the top five songs from this week of yesteryear. And today it's... This week, 1999 and the number two. And we're back to a group we featured on the two and Tuesday earlier in the week, Blur. And this song became Blur's 11th top 10 on the UK singles chart, debuting and peaking at number two in this very week. Uh, In the song, Blur shared the singing uh, with backing vocals from the London Community Gospel Choir, the lovely, beautiful choir indeed. The song was awarded Single of the Fortnight by Smash Hits. Do you remember that? Smash Hits, yeah, Single of the Fortnight. It came out fortnightly. But there was a little rider. It said at seven and three quarter minutes, tender is at least... Two minutes too long. I took their advice. It's not going to be seven and three quarters today on late lunch. But here it is. The number two in the top five countdown from this week in 1999. Good job they had that country house song in my opinion. Anyway, here it is. Tender by Blur. Not Flahulik on the lyrics, is it for sure? Thank God we have a good number one tomorrow in my countdown. That's number two this week in 1999 from Blur and Tender. I know they have a huge following as well, but anyway, apart from Country House, not much else does anything too much for this kitty here. But listen, it's all down to personal taste. It is indeed. Somebody's saying, are you for real? The Bible... The- I am for real. Oh, ye of little faith. The Bible is the uh, best-selling book of all time. Over five billion sold. There you go. Navin O'Mahony is probably the most famous club in County Meath. I might get shot for saying that, but they are very, very famous indeed. So successful. I love what they're doing. They've opened a Nico shop. Aideen McKeg is on the line to tell me more. Hello, Aideen. Hi, Jerry. How are you? I'm great, thanks. What's this all about? Um... So, yeah, I suppose about um, a year and a half ago, um, it kind of it came about by, it was a parent, I was just talking to one of the parents, um, and, you know, and she was just saying to me, um, you know, that her son had grown out of a lot of GAA gear, and it was all perfect, and she just felt it was an awful shame for this gear to go to waste, you know, especially when there's probably other kids that would be in need of it. Mm. Um and I suppose I just thought, obviously, through, you know, nat- natural progression, you know, there's probably a lot of houses in the same boat with gear and, you know, equipment that's just not being used anymore. Um, and maybe we could we could do something to make use of it. Um, so at that stage, uh, now that Matney's had um, a, a boot swap area, I think mm. probably a few clubs have that, you know, where yes. you can bring boots in that you're no longer using and if people want to come in and avail of them, they can. Um, and we just thought, like, why not extend that and, you know, include everything like shorts, jerseys, training tops, 
pearls, helmets, that kind of thing. Mm. Good um, on you. Good yeah. on you. I love this. And you're so right. They, they're they left in hot presses and cupboards and everything and just they lie there. What's the use in that? Absolutely. They do. And and, and it happens in a lot of homes. And, you know, um, they're, they're probably, for all the kids that have all that gear that's left over, there's kids there that don't have the gear and will definitely make use of it. Um, so, so, you know, from there, we kind of just sent out a message to all the mentors um, the different parent groups and ask people, you know, if they would do that, if they would gather up the gear, whatever stuff that they no longer needed or used um, and bring it into us. Um, and that's what we've been doing. We, we've been gathering up the stuff and every few weeks we kind of open up the eco shop and people can come in and just either swap gear or take whatever it is that they might need. And it's free. It's free. Yeah, it's free. I love this. And as well, like you're helping people, you know, people are pushed today. I don't have to remind you, Aideen, you know, and uh, to get gear like that's almost new. I'm sure you see it in many instances. It's perfect. It's kept very well. It's just such an assistance to families. It absolutely is. I mean, um, it's challenging. Times are challenging for people and gear is expensive. Mm. Um, And I suppose part of Part of it is we don't want any child to to maybe not take up the sport or not come in because because they can't avail of you know they can't have the gear or they can't buy a helmet or a hurl or whatever it is um, and you know through the eco shop like we found you know lots of people coming in and their kids especially you know starting off in the nursery and um, the Pride of Cubs nursery is on every week and. For them coming in, they can get a jersey and they, they have an identity then that's the same as the, the child beside them, yes. you know, and they feel part of the club. And, and that's really important. You know, I think in the club, that, that's one of the things that we're very conscious of, that all kids that are coming in, be it into the nursery or any age group, that they, they feel that they're part of the club, you know, that they have this identity and they're they're part of the team and the same as the kids beside them regardless of what their situation is. So it's helping you know bring new people to the club and to the sport and getting them involved. It is it is you know um, especially you know with the likes of Hurling and Camogie like for a parent to buy a a, um, a helmet you know you're looking at maybe 60 euros and then you know you're running the risk that the child maybe a few months down the road is saying well I don't want to play this anymore and um, so we, we, people have brought back in helmets and hurls and and all that and you know new kids coming in they're given a, a, a helmet that's in perfectly good perfectly mm. good condition they're given their hurl you know we can we can kit them out and they can they can start and they can take part in it and they can you know make, they're not always going to stay or, or, or enjoy yes. it but the vast majority there's a there's been a massive uptake you know um, from our Pride of Cubs nursery um, and, and throughout the club you know and yeah. it's just it, it helps it does help people and are you talking just about juveniles or, or underage or is it all adult as well oh it's open it's open to everybody we we actually have. Um, a really good initiative in the club as well. It was set up by Eunice Murta, um, and it's Pell for All, which is it's a football training for you know kids and adults with additional needs, um, and, and they're in there every week. And actually, last just at the end of last year, they got to go to Crow Park for um, a oh. day to compete and and to have their own little tournament. And we got on to all our adult players, and they gave us training tops, jerseys, shorts, you know. Um, 
tractor bottoms, all different types of gear that, that they weren't using that were in perfectly good condition. Um, and our, our Pell for All group got to feel like they were part of the club. You know, they were mm. going up and they were representing Avon Matneys and they're adults, a lot of them. But it's not just for them. It's it's for adults, anyone anyone in the club, you know. Yes. Um, we had a, a fundraiser day for cancer there last year in the club and a lot of the teenagers and stuff we had loads of jerseys we'd actually gotten jerseys from ex-county players and, and different different people so there was jerseys from all over and like for them coming in and they were swapping jerseys you know even yeah. at that, that stage so yeah it, it kind of includes everybody Well done Eunice with the Pell for All it's a fantastic initiative is it just for the Navin area are you just talking about your own catchment area club area there um, yeah, well, yeah, obviously yeah. it's within the club yes, that we do yes, it. Yeah, yeah. Now, we, we, have, um, we do have some teachers in, in the club and, you know, they've come to us saying, you know, that there's a few kids in their classes that they know would like to start. But, you know, for one reason or another, maybe the parents are afraid to come up because they're afraid of costs or they can't get gear or whatever. Mm. Um, and, you know, through the teachers and the club, we've met with some of those families and we've been able to give gear to the kids and they've gotten involved, like new people who are new to the community. Yes, great. And, you know, so, yeah, so it kind of extends in that, that sense. Oh, I love that as well because, you know, there's so much potential sporting-wise in all the new arrivals as well and it's a, it's a sport, it's our national sport and why shouldn't they be part of it also? I, I just love this. So when is the next uh, Eco Shop open? So actually tomorrow um, in the hall, tomorrow night at seven o'clock, we are kind of, we're going to do, um, get people to drop in gear again and get going again for this year. Um, you know, to just kind of start off again, yeah. we have to gather up stuff again. Um, so from seven um, to half eight tomorrow, we'll be in the club, in the hall. Um, and and any of our, anyone that wants to come in and drop in gear, you know, we'd be delighted. Well, I encourage anybody who has that gear to get along there tomorrow evening. Navin O'Mahony, 7 o'clock onwards, you'll be most welcome and you'll be doing a real good turn for the club and for many other people as well. Well done, Navin O'Mahony's with your eco shop and you, Aideen McKaig. Love, love it, I love it, I love it. Thank you for Bye. joining me. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you. Take care, Seth. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That brings the curtain down on Late Lunch on World Book Day. Get a book, read a book, teach them to read, encourage them to read. I leave you with that message this afternoon. Eddie Caffrey's on his way with The Drive here on LMFM Radio. We're back tomorrow, Friday, on the show. And uh, just leave a thought with you. Are you someone who had a magazine kept for you in a shop years ago or do you still get a magazine regularly? We're talking about it on Late Lunch tomorrow. See you Friday, one thirty.